Hey everyone, Alicia here. I wanted to take a minute to give a shout out to Custom Equine Nutrition. Based out of Vermont, Custom Equine makes a variety of supplements specifically focused on targeting deficiencies in horses' hay and forage. Time and again, I am impressed with the positive changes in the hooves I see on their Vermont blend or their copper and zinc blend, as well as their options for vitamin E and omegas. Check them out at customequinenutrition.com. Welcome to the Humble Hoof Podcast. My name is Alicia Harlov. This is a podcast for both horse owners and hoof care professionals, offering discussions into various philosophies on the health of the hoof and soundness of your horse. Please check us out on Facebook or at thehumblehoof.com. Dr. Audrey DeClue first grabbed my attention because she has her own podcast, The Horse First, which has been incredibly interesting in regards to sources of lameness in sport horses. One topic she is especially passionate about is string halt and shivers. I asked her if she would spend time talking with me about causes, treatment, and how to be safe when working on these horses, because both of these have a direct impact on how we handle their feet. So my first question uh, is if you could tell us a little bit about how you got into the veterinary field and took an interest in string halt, because I know I've seen um, you've had podcast episodes on string halt. Um, you have online presentations available about it. So how did you end up kind of veering that direction? Well, I have a really diverse background in history of why I became a veterinarian. I was a college athlete and then I worked at a distillation plant making ethanol for Archer Daniels Midland. And then I became a journeyman lineman, you know, climbing poles and doing high voltage electricity. And the safest guy I ever knew on the line got killed. And uh, I knew, you know, if Phil got killed, I definitely wasn't going to live to retirement as a lineman. Um, I sure in the heck the chances were higher for me to get injured or killed because, you know, we all sometimes weren't the safest. I mean, we all took chances. So at the age of 40, I went to veterinary school. And so I had a different background, a very, I was a farm kid, you know, just had a lot of blue collar people. And uh, I have a lot of respect for people that work hard for a living and do the trades because I'm that person. And then I went to vet school and I took a huge interest in sports medicine because I was an athlete, been injured, had to be rehabbed, all all the things, you know, as athletes. But shivers and string halt, I took a notice about and why I was so interested in it is, number one, my first case was, I think, in 2008 or 2009. And it was a Pasofino horse that had a combination of both shivers and string halt. And to me, it just looked like a short in the wiring. Knowing electricity and distribution of electricity throughout the world. And I just saw it as a short in the wire. You know, one of the nerves are being impinged. Well, that's actually what it is. And figured out how to treat it. And the horse got better and went off to win five grand national championships. So I was treating horses with shivers and string halt, not knowing, honestly, not knowing then that nobody else in the world was doing this. I just kind of lived in my bubble of clients and going to West Palm, Wellington, working with hunter jumpers in all disciplines and, you know, working on rainers, cutters, saddlebred Morgans, draft horses, hackney ponies, miniature little driving horses, um, mules. And the truth is, is in 2015, 
whenever the paper came out that was published about shivers being associated with Purkinje cell degeneration, which is in the cerebellum, I found out about that paper. I actually read it and I thought, this is completely, completely not right. Number one, the the paper should be critically looked at as far as information and the contents of the information because it was only over eight eight horses. And so they're putting out this big thing saying that it's in the cerebellum, actually in the brain, and the cerebellum is responsible for fine motor control, uh, just your postural movement. You know, a prime example so people can understand any damage in the cerebellum. It's like people that have Parkinson's. And people that have Parkinson's have no motor control. They, you know, they're they're shaky. Their speech is impeded. Their eye movement it it affects the ability to actually just pick up a pen and put it back down. That movement is shaky, and that's what the cerebellum does. It makes it smooths out that movement. If those lesions were present, where they're saying that they're present, all these horses would be ataxic they would be completely neurological. They wouldn't be able to go out and jump a meter 60 or a meter 50, or they wouldn't be able to show driving as in a draft horse hitch. They wouldn't, they would be completely neurological. And, and for you guys as farriers, they would fall over. You would have no control. And so that paper is the reason why I changed my whole life and did the research and I'm desperately trying to change the culture of my profession to understand that this is a musculoskeletal injury to the iliopsoas muscle. And that the nerves that come off the spine there in that region, the iliopsoas, is underneath the spine. It's the only muscle under the spine. And it's responsible for flexion of the lumbosacral joint, but also the hip joint, and also for picking up the legs. And so for you guys as a farrier, when you try to pick up a horse, horse's leg, the difference between a horse that has an iliopsoas injury and a horse that doesn't is just strictly the fact that the nerve that comes off the spine, because the muscle is covering the nerves, and the nerves come off the spine, the ventral nerve roots come off the spine, they go in between this muscle. And that muscle is what you eat as a tenderloin or filet mignon. It's very tender. And whenever you go to ask the horse to pick up its leg, that muscle contracts and it impinges on the nerve. And that's why we see shivers and string halt. So that's that's a short of really why I became very interested in. I did this because I'm trying to save their lives because people are euthanizing these horses. Yeah. And I've actually, you know, the two cases that I've worked on with pretty bad string halt, uh, both of them were actually euthanized recently. And they were both larger draft crosses, like very big horses, very heavy horses. For those who maybe have never seen a horse that has this issue, can you kind of describe what it would look like to an outsider? Sure. So the difference, shivers and string halt are the same thing. It's just that the the muscle that is the muscles, there's three muscles to the iliopsoas. The psoas minor, which is very small. The psoas major, which is very big. The psoas minor and psoas major run from the T15, which is before the back of the saddle, all the way down to the inside of the femur and attaches to the to the pelvis too, the pubis, the psoas minor does. The iliacus, which is what you see with string halt, the iliacus is also very big and it 
it's actually on the underside of their pelvic wing and it becomes big and ties in with this huge fascia, thick, thick, thick fascia called the iliac fascia. And then it attaches with the psoas major to the inside of the femur. When horses have shivers, you go to ask them to pick up their leg and there's a severe muscle spasm and then they bring their leg, the whole entire leg out away from their body. The horses that you've dealt with with string halt is very different because the iliacus muscle is responsible for stabilization of the pelvis, but also the picking up the leg more. And whenever it spasms, it's their legs snapped up like really fast, as you know, right? Yeah. But they have some component of shivers too, because if you back those horses up, they will show shivers clinical signs. When horses have shivers, the definition people want always in the academic world and everybody wants a definition. Well, this is a syndrome, a shiver string halt syndrome. And so you have all this variation of clinical signs. And many of these horses with string halt, when you back them up, they have shivers, clinical signs, because when you back a horse up, both iliopsoas muscles are engaged on the right and left side, and it rotates the lumbosacral area to back up. But when they walk forward, only one iliopsoas muscle decide that they're walking right and then left. That muscle, the iliacus, because they're walking forward, it spasms more and you get that snapping of the string halt. They snap their leg up and then they slam it down. It's like, toom, toom. and you know that and as a farrier picking up their leg, it's very dangerous yeah. because it's so quick. It's extremely quick. I actually had my finger broken by a, a draft horse that had shivers and string halt because they have huge plates on, you know, shoes, Right. just picking up his leg. And so People define shivers as when a horse backs up and they show clinical signs of shivers, which is the, you know, cramping of their muscles and bringing their leg out away from their body, which we call abduction versus string halt is seen pretty much strictly when the horses walk forward. And that's that snapping. But what people don't realize is so many horses have shivers and string halt. So when they walk forward, they actually swing their leg out away from their body first. They do abduction before they actually flex. And so they bring their leg out away from their body. And then as it comes forward, the iliacus spasms and it snaps her leg up. And I see that a lot in dressage horses, horrible in dressage horses because of the nature of the discipline and they're starting these horses way too young. The same thing happens in draft horses. That's why we see so much of it in the bigger horses. But I also see the same thing in hackney ponies, small horses, and Morgans and Saddlebreds at young ages because of the nature of they're forcing a headset, they're forcing compression and headset. And that's what creates inversion of the spine. And then the iliopsoas is not, it's the only muscle under the spine. So it's not able to stabilize the back and it becomes fatigued and injured. So that's a difference between the two. There are horses that have shivers in the front limbs and that, and I don't know, have you ever dealt with those horses? I have not. Shivers and string halt also occurs in the front limbs. And I see it a lot in pulling draft horses and hitch horses, you know, and even smaller co competitive driver horses that are warm bloods or whatever halflingers or whatever, whatever horse they are, Morgans, Saddlebreds, any horse that wears a collar. But also I see it all the time in big time jumping horses that are landing. And that's the same thing. Shivers and string halt occurs in their front limbs. 
because it's damage to the brachial plexus versus in the hind limbs, it's the lumbosacral plexus, which is the femoral nerve, obturator nerve, and everything from L, L4 back L to S1. And then in the, in the neck, it's caused by the same thing happening, the, the nerves coming off and they're getting pinched in between the scalenus muscle compared to the iliopsoas in the hind end. So we see when you pick up their leg, they, they have a hard time picking up their leg, but once they pick it up, they shiver really bad and then they'll slam it down. And that's shivers and string halt or just strictly shivers one or the other. But dressage horses also have significant shivers and string halt in the front end too because of the nature of their discipline of people compressing them too much and it impinges. So, you know, if you haven't ran into it, realize that eventually you will if you're doing hunter jumpers or dressage horses or draft horses. It's very, very, very common. Anything that wears a collar or is compressed, but I've never seen shivers and string halt in a Western disciplined horse. Never. That's and that's so because of the nature of their job. Yeah. And this is so interesting because like what you said, I've always heard that this is a neurological <clears throat> thing, that it's, you know, it's just an issue. Since it's neurological, there's not always much they can do, you know, like increase vitamin E, try to do, um, you know, whatever they can to get the horse comfortable until they have to put the horse down. Um but obviously, you've rehabilitated a lot of these horses, and I'm wondering what you do for treatment that is helping these horses get back to work. So it is a neurological condition, but it's a nerve entrapment, compartment syndrome-like condition versus an upper motor neuron, which would be in the brain or the spinal cord. Okay, so there's two differences. This is, this is a lower motor neuron, which is from the bottom of where the nerves come out of the spine ventral nerves, those are lower motor and they affect the muscles more, okay, versus upper motor, which is spinal cord and the brain, where people, if they have spinal cord damage, right, they're paralyzed, or if they have brain injury, traumatic brain injury, like people that are military veterans that have had severe damage from bombs and everything else, those type of traumatic brain injuries cause severe neurological conditions that affect the entire body and its movement, okay? Or one side of the body versus the other. So vitamin E, vitamin E will help with some neurological, it helps with the repair, okay, of the nerves. So people that are supplementing these horses with vitamin E, it is helping at a very, very microscopic level to help the nerves repair, okay? But it's not going to get rid of the clinical signs of shivers and string halt because the damage is specifically at a nerve. You know, people can relate to this more like sciatica. If people have sciatica, you know how painful that is. It's sharp pain and it's also tingling all the time. You're, you have tingling. And these horses that have shivers and string halt have the same thing, but the treatment, everybody wants to know what the treatment is, right? right. Supplementing anything is not going to fix this problem. It's a nerve entrapment or a compartment syndrome type damage that where a nerve is being entrapped between musculature. The only thing that fixes that is to get the muscles around the nerve to relax. And that's specifically an injection technique that I've developed. And to date, I've treated 
over 400 horses with shivers and string halt, variations of just pure string halt. Well, they always have a little bit of shivering. Front end versus hind limb or all four limbs are affected with shivers and string halt. It's a technique that I designed that is ultrasound guided. It is not easy to do. It's not easy to train veterinarians to do because they're not looking at everything of the back and pelvis. So we are missing so many things. But I've been doing this for a long time and treating these horses, which are very difficult to treat. So everything is ultrasound guided and it's specifically for getting to the muscles of the iliopsoas or the muscles, the scalenus muscles where the nerves are being entrapped. And I travel and train veterinarians currently, but the real truth is most people, most of the veterinarians are not skilled enough to be able to do this procedure and to do it accurately so that the horses get better because it's very specific. Um, you, you have to have accuracy. It's a lot of vets will call me up and I'm just being honest here, very honest, because that's just the nature of who I am. I'm very direct and honest about things. People call me up, veterinarians call me up and they're like, well, what are you doing to treat it? And they think that they can do it. It's like trying to call a cardiologist up and ask them how to perform open heart surgery. This is the skill base that is required and the, and the technical skill that is required is very high. So it takes a very high skill level. It's not a quick procedure. I do it standing. They're standing in cross ties. But the nature of the beast of shivers and string halt horses is that there's severe damage. And the horses are not able to stand. Number one, when they're sedated for the procedure, their stay apparatuses do not work properly. And so it's difficult. And you know that as a farrier, if you sedate these horses and you try to pick up their limbs, it doesn't get rid of the clinical signs. It just makes it a little bit easier, right? Yeah. And sometimes you can't even pick up their leg after they're sedated. And that reason is because when they're sedated and when their heads are down, it puts more strain on the iliopsoas muscle and thus creates more pressure on the nerve or the plexus that's being compressed. And so sometimes you can't even pick up the leg. And those, those horses are very difficult for you guys. And it's better not to, not to do anything with them until they can get treated. So the treatment is an injection technique ultrasound guided injection technique of the back and pelvis. And like I said, I've been traveling and training veterinarians, but many veterinarians are not going to be capable of doing this. It's, it's kind of like in your world with farriers. There's, there's people out there that really specialize in difficult like laminitis cases and versus sport horses you know, as, as farriers, as veterinarians, as linemen, as athletes, we're all not created equal for what we can do in our, in our job. So, so obviously, you know, not everyone's doing this. There's sounds like there's very few vets that are doing it. So how would somebody find someone who can do this treatment if they want to try it for their horse? I've been trying to get people in certain regions of the United States to be trained completely to, to do the procedure. There is a veterinarian in California, Dr. Jeff Jones, there is Dr. Chad Zubrod at Oak Ridge Equine in just north of Oklahoma City. He actually, too, has a Pertron hitch, draft horse hitch. And that's how he and I got hooked up is because one of his horses had shivers in string hall. And we fixed that mare. Uh, and in the process, I trained him. 
and he's a very, very talented surgeon. And he is in the sport horse industry with showing uh, a Pertron mare draft horse hitch. And he's, he's, Chad is very exceptional. He's an exceptional veterinarian and he's very skilled, very skilled. He has exceptional hand-eye coordination and that's pretty much what it takes. You know, for me being an athlete and then a blue collar worker like yourself and the fairies out there, we have very high level of hand-eye coordination. And then there's, I'm training another veterinarian in North Carolina, um, Dr. Kate Workman. She has her own practice, Denali Equine in, in Southern Pines, North Carolina. And so I'm trying to get people, it's very difficult to train people because they just don't have the skill base. And I hate to say that, but it's not an easy job. It's, it's not. Right. No, I totally get what you're saying. Um, yeah. And actually talking about, you know, farriers and what we do, you know, I've only, like I said, I've only worked on two horses really that have had incredibly bad string halt where I was nervous about trimming and working on their hind feet. And I don't know if you had any tips for hoof care providers as they're working on horses that have this issues so that we can keep ourselves safe, or is it, I mean, it must be different for every horse, right? Mm -hmm. That's a, that's an exceptional question because to me, safety is always first dealing with these horses with shivers and string halt. As you know, from a ferry, you guys write these horses off as being very difficult or very, very hard to shoe, right? Yeah. And the real truth is it's extremely painful for them. That's why they're anxious. They don't have the nerve control to be able to control their limb. When you ask them to pick up their leg, they the nerves are not firing correctly to pick up their leg, but they also have what we call stay apparatus, which allows them to sleep standing up. And the nerves to unlock that stay apparatus are the ones that are most affected on the inside of their leg because those are those are damaged because of the femoral nerve and the obturator nerve. And so the muscles on the outside of the leg, those nerves are not being impinged. And so when they finally can unlock their leg to be able to pick it up, that's why their legs are brought out away from their body or in string halt because the iliacus muscle is more damaged. That's why they snap and that's dangerous. I mean, either, either way, as you know, it's dangerous, right? Yeah. It's, it's very dangerous and it's so painful for the horses. We have to do the right thing for the horses. And, and for you guys, the safety and for the horse's pain level, we have to get this information out so that people realize this is simply a musculoskeletal injury with nerve entrapment. And, you know, it, it makes you guys' life very difficult, very difficult. You know, I have so much respect for farriers. I've said it in my podcast. I do not tell farriers how to do their job because you guys are under them. You're doing it every single day. The safest thing you can do with whether a horse has shivers or string halt is always keep the leg low if you can. But, you know, initially trying to pick up a string halt horse's leg is very, very dangerous. You have to understand that the nerves are damaged that feed the muscles that tell the limb to pick up. And what happens if you keep holding on to the limb if you hold on to the limb, it's actually a little bit safer because if you let go of the limb and then you grab it again, the proprioception, the nerves, you make that whole loop fire again. It's just like turning on a light switch. You turn the light switch on and a circuit comes open. You shut the light switch off and it closes. Well, 
every time you touch that animal's limb, the one that's affected with shivers or string halt, the nervous system sees it again and it fires again. And so what you're doing is you're ramping up the nervous system. If you go to ask the limb to pick up, if they hesitate, right, they, they lock their limb and then they're shifting and they get anxious, realize, realize that it's painful for them. And keep your hand either on the backs. I always grab them by the backside of the limb. It's safer. Sometimes I'll do it on shivers horses in the front because I, I I literally put my body straight, like my left shoulder, if it's on the right hind, I put my left shoulder like parallel with their whole body, my whole shoulders. And I stand way to the side to pick these horses legs up. Instead of standing where you normally do as a farrier, it's smarter just to position yourself so you're kind of close to them, but away from them. So many times I'll put my, my right shoulder into their abdomen to just push them a little bit. But when the leg unlocks, it snaps. And having your hand behind where the tendons are is safer. But you have to kind of hold on to them. And as soon as they pick up the leg, as soon as it snaps up or in the shivers horse, I usually pick, I, if I know the horse has severe shivers, I always grab them from the front. But string haul horse, I grab from the back, but in the middle of their cannon bone, because if you go too low, that's how I broke my finger on the draft horse, <laughs> is it, it'll compress your, it, their fetlock will compress it and break your, you know, you'll, you're, the shoe will hit you. And what I do is immediately push the limb to the midline of their body. And what that does is that stops the muscles on the outside of the body, the muscles on the outside of the limb to fire. And it helps the horse, it helps stop the iliopsoas muscle from contracting. Because as soon as you push it in, the iliopsoas muscle stops contracting and this, it stops the nerve from being impinged. How to pick up the limb is the very difficult part. But then like on a shivers horse, I grab them from the front because I know their limb is gonna come out and spasm. So I hold on to it though. You have to hold on to these horses' limbs. If they're abducting, if they're spasming out, just let go of it. But as soon as the spasm relaxes, grab a hold of the limb again and push it to the inside of their abdomen. And then most of these horses, you do not have a hard time bringing their limb forward. And the reason why you don't have a hard time bringing the limb forward and keeping there is because it does not engage the iliopsoas. Those are totally different muscles that work to be able to bring the leg forward and put it on the stand. Bringing their leg back is more difficult, right? Yeah. Very difficult. And that is because the iliopsoas is responsible for the flexion and extension of the, the lumbosacral area. And as soon as you go to bring the leg back, it actually flexes the lumbosacral, it actually puts in an extension and it activates the pain there, which is in the lumbosacral area. And so that's why you have such a difficult time. The lower you keep the foot, the, put your stand all the way down if you want to bring it back or just work as low as possible. I tell people just take a, you know, like a four by four block and put their foot on it and work down there and keep the foot to the inside, like cross it almost, it, sometimes you can, you can cross, you can work on the leg, the, the bad leg, the string holder or the shivers like from the opposite side. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like across their body. Right. Or you can take their leg back and put it across the other limb and you can safely work on them. And these are, these are what I have found because I've dealt with 
so many shivers horses, not only just treating them, but picking up their legs. It's dangerous. And in the front limbs, if you ever experience that, which I hope you never do, a very severe shivers and string halt horse, they will slam their leg down so violently. And you have got to be careful. Picking their front limbs up, almost impossible. And when you do it, if they're a draft horse and they have plates, oh, or pulling horse and they have the big <laughs> cleats, oh man, it's dangerous. But once you get the limb up, you have to hold it up. And that takes all the strength in the world. And you always have to consider, for me, I always consider, and, and you guys are not trained to know the anatomy, but as a veterinarian, I, my job is just like playing basketball when I was a basketball player every single day was dribble, pass, shoot, defense, offense. As a veterinarian, my job is every single day, anatomy, physiology, neurology, and movement. And all the other things that go along, internal medicine, ulcers, how their digestive tract works. You have to go back to the first year of vet school, no different than you as a farrier, picking up a rasp, putting a shoe on, right? Pick, putting the nail the right direction, <laughs> right? That is so simple for farriers to even go, I don't even know why you're asking me this question. It's just natural, <laughs> right? <laughs> but I have to tell you, Every single time I go to nail a shoe on, I'm like, okay, which way does this go? <laughs> I'm really serious because I don't do it every day like you guys, but I go, okay, the physics of this says this has to go this way. I have to think about it. And I think that's the big mistake that we all make sometimes is that we don't go back to the basics. And for you as a farrier, just think about what's happening with the horse. And if you find a position in these horses with string halt or shivers, because the string halt horses will slam their leg down just like the shivers horses. And, or if you have a horse that, any horse that you cannot pick up their limb, and this, these are not shivers and string halt horses, but a, a horse that you cannot pick up their hind limb, and you, you have a lot of those, right? Yeah. Yeah. Any of those horses that cannot pick up their limb, they have the same injury the reason why they can't do it is because they have an iliopsoas injury and the lumbosacral area is not working. And the reason why you cannot pick up those horses' limbs is because it hurts them in the lumbosacral or inner transverse joint. They have a, where the lumbar and the pelvis connect or they have a severe transverse process injury in their low back. And it, it doesn't allow them to pick up their leg. And if you do get it up, they wanna slam it back down. And that's because it hurts them. When you pick up their leg, it puts pressure there on their spine and on those muscles. And so any of those horses that you have to sedate to be able to shoe because they cannot pick up their limb, you have to understand they, they're like that because it's painful. The only difference between them and a shivers and string hold horse is that there's no nerve impingement. The clinical signs are different, but it's the same injury. It's just that the nerve is not entrapped. And there's not any pressure on the lumbosacral plexus. So that's, if you guys have a horse out there that's very difficult to shoe and you can't pick up their limb, just be patient with the horse. Once you get the limb up, just try to keep it as low as possible. But many of these horses, they just, they can't, they can't weight it. Or it puts more pressure on the other side, which is more damaged. My recommendation to any of you farriers out there that are dealing with horses that are really difficult to shoe behind is 
keep their leg low. When you pick up the limb, keep it to the inside of their body. Don't bring it out. Because as soon as you start, and especially horses in front that are horrific to shoe in front, as soon as you go to bend their, their leg out away from their body, to and, and you know, we bend it out real far, those horses that are difficult, they have severe pain in their scapula or rib cage or lower neck. And as soon as you put them high out on the stand, you know, it hurts them. It compresses the nerves or the bones that are painful or just stretching it out because they have rib cage and shoulder girdle pain. Those horses are telling you, please keep my limb in a more natural position because I have an injury someplace that it hurts. And so I'm, I'm always listening when farriers say, you know, I always go up to farriers and say, how is the horse to shoe? And they, they're like, wow, it's better, you know, after I treated them. And that to me is benefit for you as a farrier, the farrier profession to not get kicked, not to get stomped on, for the horse to not be behavioral. Um, my job is to make you guys' life better and easier. And I wish all veterinarians considered that as it's not the horse being difficult to shoe. It's more, it's a pain issue. And we have to all be better to solve these problems so that you guys' job is safe and that you the horse is comfortable. Yeah. And I think this is amazing. Like all this advice has been really great. And I'm already thinking of ways that I can adjust what I'm doing, you know, with some of the more difficult horses that I work on. So thank you so much. And something else I have to tell you is many times, after the day after you guys chew them or 48 hours after you chew them, the horse is lame, especially in front. The reason why they are is what I just mentioned earlier, is if you see a consistent pattern of these horses being the owner complains or the trainer complains to you that the horse is lame immediately afterwards and they are always thinking it's a hot nail or whatever else, right? Yeah. Always, always go back to lowering your stand when you're dealing with these horses and don't pull their limbs far forward. It makes your your job easier. But the, the real truth is, is you're as you're bringing the leg forward or you're torquing their elbow or their knee out to make your life easier. It's putting so much torque, not only on the the joint of the carpus and the shoulder, but also the scapula and the lower cervical and the ribs and the thoracic spine. You have to realize that it's not your fault that the horse is lame. It's actually the veterinarian's fault that the horse is lame because they haven't diagnosed what the body issue, where the body lameness is that's creating the clinical signs after you shoe them. And it's always 24 hours to 48 hours later. And then the third day, they're going back to normal. So it's kind of like going to the dentist. If you have broken your jaw, which I have, and I go to the dentist and they have to put blocks in for me to have any dentistry work. But, be, you know, just holding my mouth open for any extent, my jaw open is very painful for me. So it's kind of the same thing. You know, you, you have to recognize that these things that happen are not your fault. And that if a horse is difficult for you to shoe, you always have to look at the body first because the body controls the limbs. It's not a lower limb issue. I would say probably 80 to 90% of the time, it's not their hocks. It could be their stifles, but any difficult horse where they can't pick up their limbs is not in their joints. 
I mean, if they have a big knee, like cutting horses and that, you know, that torquing them, that hurts them. If they have osteoarthritis in their in their carpus or their knee or in their hocks, you know, that does hurt, but you don't really torque their hock. It's just a, it doesn't make any sense. It's not a logical, rational, biomechanical thing. So many of you guys will say, oh, the hocks need to be done, but it's not really the hocks. It's the, it's up in their back and pelvis that hurts them worse. So, you know, you guys have a difficult job dealing with all the personalities and people, but it really, I have a lot of respect for you. Uh, as I said, from the very beginning of this podcast, I have so much respect for you guys. Thank you. I mean, this, I mean, I have a lot of respect for you, especially with tackling an issue that a lot of the veterinarian world has, you know, sort of gone in a different direction. So I think this is really great that you're seeking to rehabilitate these horses and get them back to work and, you know, give them another chance instead of just, you know, saying, oh, that's just how they are. So um, I think this is great. And yeah, these are technically all the questions I had. I didn't know if you had anything else that you thought was really important to talk about. No, I mean, you might get, you know, people contacting you, owners, you know, I'm sure that there's lots of owners of string halt horses that are going to yeah. be very interested. Oh, yeah. So. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I get, it's an everyday thing. I talk to people all over the world every day, but sure. anything to do to help the horses. All right. Well, listen, you got to run. I got to run. It's great yeah. talking to you. Yeah, you too. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye now. Bye. I always say that I'm slightly more hoof obsessed than the average person. And chances are, if you're listening to a hoof care podcast, you are too. So we should probably be friends. Feel free to find me on Facebook or email me at thehumblehoof at gmail.com.